Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I haven't drank in 50 years by God's grace. Right, you give him the credit. Maybe you've walked a holier life. Maybe you've been faithful in your marriage. Maybe you've been victorious in some other area. Maybe you were a brawler and a fighter and you haven't had an instance since you gave your life to the Lord. We know if we're doing it in the Lord that we give him all the credit. But by the grace of God, you know, outside of you, Lord, I'm a mess. But any victory we have is in him. And when Paul says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, it's really a yielding of ourselves to him and a leaning on him for strength and power. God's power is more than enough to keep you strong to say no to any temptation that comes your way. Pastor Bill is going to show you how prevalent spiritual warfare is in the world today with a constant internal battle of sin versus righteousness. When you start being public about your faith, opposition is going to come. Satan isn't going to sit around idle if you're doing God's will. However, if you seek the Holy Spirit for the strength to say no to those old sins that you used to do, he'll give it to you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 as he begins his message. Stand your ground. Let me give this background before we jump right in. Everybody look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Look at the first word. Uh, What's the first word there? Finally, if you got a new King James, it might be something else in another translation. But first word there is finally. And so uh, I kind of go backwards and bring us up to the finally because he's kind of saying now in conclusion and in light of all that we've already covered now, you know, I want you to have this. And so I want you to consider what we've covered so far in the book of Ephesians in chapters one through three. For you guys over there, we looked at all of chapters one through three was about what Christ has done for us. And so how he saved us, how he's elected us, how he's chosen us, how we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but he made us alive. And so three chapters all about what God has done for us and made available to us. Then as we come to chapter four, we talked about walking in unity, putting away or putting off the old life. And chapter ended learning about walking in forgiveness, the need for those that have been forgiven by Christ to forgive other people. Talked about our language and and being careful what comes out of our mouth. In chapter five, we talked about walking in love, walking in the light, and walking in wisdom. And in the last part of chapter five, we spent time talking about doing our marriages God's way. And so we looked at the role of the husband and the wife and how to function in our marriages in a way that honors and glorifies the Lord. Then as we came to chapter six, the first three verses, we looked at the parent-child relationship. And then in verses Five through nine, uh, we looked at the employee, employer, that we be a witness in our work for the Lord. And so this is what I want you to consider, right? If I'm a believer that understands all that God did for me in chapters one through three, how I've been saved and set apart for the Lord. um, If I'm walking with the Lord and I put off the old man, what I learned in chapter four, and I'm forgiving people that offend me and I'm walking in unity in the body of Christ. And then I walk into chapter five, I'm, I'm doing better. Now I'm walking in love. I'm walking in the light. I'm walking in wisdom. My walk with the Lord is good. If I'm married, now I'm walking in a good way in my marriage. I'm being the kind of husband or women are being the kind of wife God wants them to be. Then I go to work. As a parent, I'm raising up my kids in the ways of the Lord and doing what God's called me to do there. And in my work, I'm trying to be a witness for the Lord. That's a really effective Christian. Would you agree? That person is the, you get a man or woman living like that, that's just taking everything that they've heard. Because Paul spoke this to this group and he wrote these things. So if I'm walking out all these things, I can guarantee you one thing. 
a person living like this is going to be an effective believer. They're going to be a believer that would attract warfare from the enemy simply because of how they're living. So if you think about this, how many basketball people here? Yeah. Laker people. Yeah. Laker people. Laker people say, hey. All right. Everybody else looking at me mad now. Don't leave. So if you're a Lakers fan, you know, you had to love the Kobe and Shaq era of basketball for the Lakers. Right. In the Kobe Shaq era, every team that the Lakers went up against, they had to come up with a plan for who? For Shaq. Right. They come up with the hack of Shaq. They were coming up with something, but they had to figure out how do we stop this humongous man from just dunking on us and walking down the court all funky? You know, so, you know, they were focused on him because he was a very effective member of the team. Now, there were some other guys on the team that we wouldn't even remember their names. They were on the bench. They may have even played some minutes, but there wasn't no coach anywhere coming up with a plan for them because we're not worried about them. They're not doing anything that we got to worry about. Right. And so I want you to consider this when it comes to spiritual warfare, because there are some Christians that are like a Kobe or Shaq where they're like, man, they're sweating bullets about you. And he's like, we, this has to stop. This guy is going to talk to everybody he can about me. This woman is going to witness to everybody she can. I got to stop her. Right. Some of us are that believer. And some of us are the believer that's just on the bench. Ain't nobody worried about you. They don't know your name. Who is that in there? Was it number 21? Who? You know, they don't know who you are, what you came to do. And they're not worried about you before you come and when you leave. I don't want to be that as a believer, right? But so some people might listen to a study on spiritual warfare and say, I don't have no warfare. Be worried about that, right? Be concerned. Uh, The enemy ain't trying to stop me because warfare comes, it's purposeful, right? Why does the enemy attack people? Why does he attack certain believers? Uh, He wants to hinder them from what they're doing because they're doing something. Uh, He wants to impact them so that their witness is not strong. Um, He's always trying to derail people from walking out the purposes of God for their life. But if you're not doing anything for the Lord, you're already kind of where he wants you, right? He's not worried about you. So warfare will be the reality for the believer that's really walking out the things that we're learning in scripture. And so as we looked at chapters one through, you know, six, um, someone that's living this out, you're going to have, they're going to be warfare. The enemy is going to attack in different ways. And so in our time today, we're going to look at what is warfare, who are we at war with? Um, why does the enemy attack us? Um, what's at stake in this war? And how do we stand in the midst of the attack? Those are the things that we want to cover today. And so look at chapter 6, verse 10. We'll start there. Everybody got it? All right. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so Paul opens up, he says, finally, you know, in, in lieu of all that I've already shared with you guys, finally, brethren, he's speaking to believers. If a person's not saved, they're not going to experience spiritual warfare. They're actually already enslaved to the devil, right? You don't experience spiritual warfare until you start on the other team, right? It's when you go public with your private relationship. It's when you begin to walk with the Lord that you incur Satan as an enemy. When I wasn't saved, though he is the enemy of everybody, right? He wasn't acting as an enemy. I was working with the enemy. Didn't even know it. Um, leading people astray and, you know, tempting people to do stuff. You know, I was working in tandem with the enemy when I wasn't saved. It's when I got saved that I incurred an enemy. When I went to get baptized, I gave my life to the Lord. Uh, it was a pretty radical turnaround for me. When I got saved, it was like, wham, you know, like, man, I'm going to change everything and not going to hang out with the fellas, not going to live with the girl no more, not going to drink and party and quit selling weed and doing my little this, that, and the other. And, and I was in church. And God was doing a work on my life. It was a process. It wasn't overnight. But I was growing. I was going forth with the Lord. And so when I learned about water baptism, I was like, I want to be baptized. I've never been baptized in my life. 
Uh, I think I got baptized in the Catholic Church, but to me that didn't count because my parents did that to me. Um, you know, I was not Catholic or Christian. I was out there doing me. So I want to get baptized. I went, you know, they had a little lesson on baptism. I went to it. And I never forget the pastor said to us, the group that was getting baptized on that night, he told us, he says, well, tonight you guys are going public with your private relationship. And so he told us, then you're going to have a public enemy. You know, that Satan is going to take, he says, don't be shocked if the enemy don't attack you or do this, that, and the other. And I remember I heard it. And I'm telling you the very night that I got baptized, the enemy hit me with maybe one of the bigger attacks for me as I first got saved. Some of you guys know I had a daughter when I was a teenager. And when I got saved, she was maybe not quite a year old. And by the time I was getting baptized, her mother had given her to me. Like, you just keep her. She was staying with me. I had moved in with my dad. And the night I got baptized, I went and got baptized. Uh, I took my baby home, put her to sleep. And me and Mika were friends. Um, so we were going out to eat and celebrate. So we went out to dinner. And this is before cell phones. I had my pager on me. And my dad started blowing me up on the pager, you know, and I'm like, man, what is going on? I go to the payphone. That's how far, you know, so something like this. I go to the payphone to call him at the restaurant, like, what's up? You know, and he said, hey, did you know your daughter's mom was coming to pick her up? I said, no, nah, I haven't talked to her in, you know, a month or whatever. He said, yeah, she just picked her up. That's the night I get baptized. And I think, huh, that's interesting. And so I call over there, no answers. The next morning I get up and I drive to Watts and I go over there. A lot of backstories, you know, one of her brothers uh, I've had a scuffle with back in the day. And so I get to the door and I knock and I'm like, hey, you know, where's my daughter at? You know, and I realized the brother that I had the little scuffle with and another brother that I had words with, they're both inside. I can see him through the screen gate and my daughter's not there. And they're basically trying to get me to come inside, which is where I fought the other brother when he was by himself before. So I'm like, and again, as a non-believer, I was all about that. I was going to go in there and tear that place up, you know, but I'm sitting on the porch and I'm like, my flesh wants to go and my spirit is saying, just leave, just leave. And I remember just getting in the car and leaving. I'm like, my daughter's not here. So I'm leaving. I got in the car and I left. It hurt my soul to walk away from that. So I cried. I, I drove straight to church and I was like, man, I don't know where my daughter's at. And I drive over to the church and the pastor said, I told you, this is the enemy is trying to Right now, you want to go do some stuff that you're not supposed to do. And I did. I wanted to go do some stuff. He says, he says you got to commit right now. This is warfare, right? You just went public. You just had your whole family come to your baptism. Everybody was there watching you make your commitment to the Lord. And you just went public. You just declared to everybody in your family, I am a Christian now. And now, day after, you want to go fight and pillage and find your kid and tear up some. And your kid sounds like a good reason to do all these things. Y'all agree? Most of y'all know. So it did to me. It felt like this would be a justifiable cause for me to tear up. That's my kid. Right. And um, but he told me, you know, we need to be praying we're there. And he made me commit. He said, I need you to commit to not going back over there and doing something. And you need to let the Lord sort it out. And that was for me. That was a intense warfare. I was so broken over not having my little baby with me. And uh, one of her friends called me and told me where she was under. They said, well, you got to promise me you're not going to go over there. I'm only telling you so you can do a court thing. So I was like, OK. So I got the paperwork and it took about five, almost six months before we finally got to court and I got, you know, visitation back. And in those five to six months uh, for me it was very intense. I was very broken. Uh, I cried a lot, you know, but I was just going to the Lord like in desperation. I've always looked at that five, six months and said, I believe that five, six months made the difference because I was very happy just to be saved at that point. But in that five, six months, I fell in love with the word. My dependence on God went to a place where it had never been before. 
And that five, six months ended, and I'm like, all I have is the Lord, right? I got my daughter back now, but it's like, I didn't just go to the Lord for my daughter, but now I got her back, and the Lord's like, well, now you know me a whole lot better. I felt like it accelerated my growth in the Lord. And I really feel like that made the difference. At that point, I was like, I'm not just content to know the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord the rest of my life because he's faithful, because he hears me when I pray, because he comforts me when I'm hurt. Everything that I needed in that little space, I've never known the Lord, but I know him right now, and it changed my life. But in that sense, right, in the warfare, the enemy wanted me to do something that God didn't want me to do. And that's why it's a war, right? My flesh wanted to do certain things. I was tempted to go outside the will of God to try to fix something that God was like, if you fight this war the right way, you'll win all the battles, right? When this thing ended, I got my kid back. I knew the Lord better. I won wars that I didn't even know I was fighting yet by just waiting, by not getting involved. But if I had gone and done that myself, I might have lost everything. You know, my whole story might be, I don't know where I'd be doing today. And so um, we'll see as we go through this. When he says, finally, my brethren, he says, be strong in the Lord. That God's not calling you and me to be strong in our flesh, strong in ourselves. Be strong in the Lord. And that can be a challenge for many of us where we try to make a way for us to be victorious in this thing. Um, you know, I'm going to set certain boundaries and things for myself. And God says, be strong in the Lord. It's not going to be about you being strong in yourself. This is not something you muster up personally. You need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Um, and there's a recognition there that I need God's strength. I'm not able to do it in my own strength. How do you be strong in the Lord and the power of his might? What does that practically look like? First thing for me to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, I have to lay down my own sense of being able to do it myself. If there's anything in you or me that feels like I can do this myself, I believe that God backs up and says, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you come to the end of yourself to where you're looking to me to help you do what you can't do. Where God begins is where we end. And so the sooner we get to the place where we say, God, I know I can't do this in my strength. So I'm looking for you. That's the beginning of walking in the Lord and the power of his might where I'm laying down. And even when you think are strengths, everybody here know what your weaknesses are. We need to be most concerned in the areas where we think we're strong. And when I think I think I'm strong in this area right here. Those will be the areas many times we blow it because our guard's down. We think we got this. Um, and so be careful about any area of life where you feel like, no, nah, I'm good here. I got this. That could be the area, you know. Uh, there's some things I haven't done since 1995. I've been victorious in the Lord in these areas. But I got to be real careful about feeling like I got it. Like I don't got to worry about that no more. Now I could just kind of do whatever I want to do because I'm, you know, I haven't done this since 95. No, I need to be strong in the Lord. I've been victorious since 95 because of the Lord. And the day I start thinking it's me, I'll live different. But if I recognize that I've been victorious here because of the Lord, there's still a caution here. Some of you guys know I used to be an alcoholic. I used to drink every single day to get drunk. And so when the Lord delivered me from alcohol, um, he delivered me. God broke that bondage. God set me free from that. And I haven't had a drink since 1995 by the grace of God. But if somebody said, well, man, you can have a little cup of, no, no, I don't want it. I don't want, I want nothing to do with it. I don't want to be entangled with it. It's just about juice. No. If we have any alcoholic content, we'll just have some non-alcoholic. No. I have a Perrier if I want to burp. No, I don't want no form, no way. I'm not messing with that because I've been freed of it. Why would I mess with it? You know, I'm very aware that I could pick up in a day and be where I left off at and worse. It's just by the grace of God. So if I had got this victory on my own, I would say, well, nah, I could, I'm strong now, surely. But I didn't get this victory. I'm a God handed me some victory where I was completely overwhelmed and defeated. And I recognize it came from him. And since it came from him, I'm just want to keep what he gave me. And there just isn't anything that sounds worth letting go of what God's given me. 
What's my guarantee against never getting drunk again? What's my guarantee? That's it. That's my only guarantee, right? Because I don't trust me. It's my only guarantee. I was one time on a cruise with my wife. And we way, way on a cruise. We having a good time. Me and her are competitive. We play board games and talk smack. So we up on the deck and we, I said, I'm going to get me a coffee. And you got to go get everything from the bar, you know? So I want a cup of coffee. And I got my coffee and the guy said, hey, I hooked it up for you, man. And I smelled my coffee. And I said, I drink coffee every day. But this coffee smelled like, I said, we hooked it up how? There's some kind of coffee that they put alcohol in. I said, man, the devil ain't a liar. You know, I didn't drink it. I smelt it. But I'm like, I know what that smells like. I know that aroma right there, you know. And uh, I thought, man, the enemy is like, why are you on the cruise, man? Like, You're on a cruise. It's a vacation. Like, you just could relax a little bit. Let your hair down. Well, you know. <laughs> so, but I feel like in every instance, the enemy is like, hey, just come back over. You'll be all right. Um, and we have to be careful, right? Strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, all our victories come through him. We give him all the credit for our victories. Therefore, we're humble in victory, right? You might be a believer that says, I haven't drank in 50 years by God's grace, right? You give him the credit. Maybe you walk a holier life. Maybe you've been faithful in your marriage. Maybe you've been victorious in some other area. Maybe you were a brawler and a fighter and you haven't had an instance since you gave your life to the Lord. We know if we're doing it in the Lord that we give him all the credit. But by the grace of God, you know, outside of you, Lord, I'm a mess. But any victory we have is in him. And when Paul says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, it's really a yielding of ourselves to him and a leaning on him for strength and power. And there's a humility about that. There's a recognition that I can't do this in my strength. I do this in his strength. Amen. So finally, brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In verse 11, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so here we're told to put on the whole armor. We'll see this more than once. And I want to emphasize the ideal of the whole armor because um, it's not one piece. There's several pieces that make up the whole armor of God. And in a later study, I'm going to walk through each one of the pieces, but I want to explain why I believe he's emphasizing the whole armor, right? That God doesn't want you to be protected in one area and exposed in another. God doesn't want you to be a Christian. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm tight in this area of my life, but I'm reckless over here in this area because Satan don't need you to be weak everywhere to defeat you. Right. He just needs one opening. Maybe you're strong in faith. You're good in this other area, but all you need to leave is an opening for the enemy. Right. Anybody here that used to be a thief. If I'm a thief and I'm breaking into cars, I don't need your doors unlocked and your windows cracked. But one of those would be great. Just leave me the windows uncracked. Leave one window cracked. You know, that's going to help me do what I'm going to do. I'm that I do that anymore. But, you know, a good thief, I just need one little crack. Leave me an opening. I don't need all the stuff. You know, if you're a fisherman, I took my son fishing one time and, you know, he's a kid. He put like five baits on my son. You're only going to catch one fish at a time. How many hooks do you need to catch one fish? I need one hook, one hook per fish. Um, to my error, though, he caught three on his five fish rig. So, you know, he showed me. But um, Satan don't need but just one thing, one opening to get you. And so God says, put on the whole armor. I want you to be covered and protected in every area of your life. And I always point this out. Then when you look at the armor of God, there's nothing to protect your backside because God never intends for us to quit. God never intends for us to turn tail. God intends for us to face things head up. As they come, when the warfare comes, God doesn't want you quitting. God doesn't want you softening your approach. God says, no, stand in the Lord, strengthen the strong, but I give you everything you need to protect you frontward. 
You know, there's a helmet of salvation. There's a belt of truth. You know, the sword of the spirit. There's a breastplate of righteousness. There's a shield of faith. There's a feet shod with the preparation of the God. Everything is intended for you to stand your ground and continue moving forward in this battle. And so when he says put it all on, um, I would like everybody to consider that maybe for you, you may say, I'm strong here. You know, I'm strong in my faith in God. You know, my, I got the shield of faith. I'm good there. But maybe you're one that when you mess up, when you have a bad day, when you sin, you start doubting if you belong to the Lord or not. You know, the helmet of salvation is not solid for you. The helmet is to protect your head, but it's from what? Why is it the helmet of salvation? Right. If I don't think I'm saved, there's no way I'm going to live saved. Right. If every time I mess up, I start thinking, I don't know if I'm saved. You know, it's like. Do you understand that your salvation is not about your works and what you're doing? It's about what God did. Do you believe the right thing? And so you need to know that because if the enemy can trick you into thinking that you don't even belong to the Lord, how are you going to be a witness from there? Why would you live radically for the Lord when you don't even know if you belong to him? You won't. So helmet of salvation, shield of faith. Your faith is going to be tested. Faith is going to be challenged. Most of our walk with the Lord, we're challenged to believe in what we can't see. And so, you know, Satan's going to be throwing darts constantly at your faith. And so faith is a shield. When I believe God, when I believe what his word says, it becomes a shield to me against all the stuff the enemy starts throwing at me. No, I just believe right, right? The breastplate of righteousness, all your vital organs are protected by the breastplate. Well, this is righteousness, right? My right standing with God is afforded to me through what Jesus did, and it can't be taken away. This is going to protect me in vital areas of my life. Each piece, each part, God says, put on the whole armor. How do you practically put on the armor? I hear people say, every day I get up, I put on the armor of God. You know, I pray through the pieces of the armor. How do you put it on? And I want to explain this. I think it's so important. The way you put on the armor, each piece of the armor is spiritual in nature. And everything is done by faith. It's done by yielding in each area that I want to believe God, faith. I understand where my righteousness comes from, you know, Jesus Christ. I understand where salvation comes from, the work of God. You know, the belt of truth, I'm in my word. The sword of the spirit, I believe the word of God. I'm speaking the word of God. I'm using the word of God. I'm applying it to my life, to circumstances. The, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I'm headed in the right direction, going to do the right things, going to tell the right message. As I'm doing all these things, God said, that's putting on the full armor. If your feet are shod with the preparation of some juicy gossip, you're already moving in the wrong direction. You don't have on the full armor of God. Satan got you moving in the wrong direction, saying the wrong things to the wrong people. That's what it means, right? I don't have the sword of the spirit. I'm not speaking the word of God. I'm speaking doubt. I'm a naysayer. I'm like, well, what if this happens? You know, when you got people that are trying to take steps of faith, you always got those people. I don't know. Maybe because what about this? And what about that? You know, people that just won't take God at his word, right? Then now, instead of speaking God's word, instead of having a sword to defeat the enemy, you know, sheathed your sword and you got your thoughts. What the Bible says, don't lean to your understanding. So putting on the whole armor of God is done in faith. It's not something you pray. I don't pray, God, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. You can't pray for God to give you each piece of the armor. You actualize each piece. You put it into practice. Like I said, as we go through each one, we'll talk about practically each one, how we wear it, how we walk in it. But understand that it's something that's done through your faithfulness. You're believing God and obeying, adhering to what God has shown you. I can pray all day, God, put on the helmet, put on this. Okay, I'm ready to walk out my door. It's not how it works. None of that matters if when I walk out my door, I don't apply faith when faith is challenged. If I don't cling to my salvation when it's challenged, if I don't speak the word of God when that's what's being challenged, that's when it matters is when it's challenged that I stand in what I know, that I stand in those truths. And so that's why I think this is going to be so important as we go through each one. We need to know what they are, that we might apply them and walk in them, that we might be victorious. But he says, put on the whole armor. Don't be content to leave any openings in your life. And so if you're incomplete, 
If you say, yeah, I'm good here, but I'm not good here. You know, I walk in this, but I don't walk in that part. Um, you want to be asking the Lord as we walk that God help me to be covered in every area. So help me to find full coverage for me and all these things that I would put on the full armor of God. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on the Transforming Word as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. If you're ever or near the Inglewood area, you are more than welcome to join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You also can call or text us, too, for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that is calvaryinglewood.org. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Ephesians was written by Paul around the time he was in prison in Rome. This is one of the most inspiring things about Paul. Even when he was facing some of the heaviest of trials, he was still focused on the gospel mission. He still urged unity. He wrote of patience and love and encouraged people to be as one, just as God the Father is one with His Spirit and His Son. This may seem like an impossible thing to accomplish, but when you're living in the Spirit and by the Spirit, it's easier to genuinely love those around you. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Ephesians next time on A Transforming Word.